Hi, this is Hope. This is Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me Radio. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 103 of No Meat Athlete Radio. This is Matt Frazier, joined by my esteemed co-host, Doug Hay. How's it going, Matt? It's going pretty well. We're still in the midst of housing nightmare trying to find a place to live, but... Uh, that's that's old news, man. I'm tired of hearing about all this. I am tired of living this nightmare of a life. You're really boring me. Uh, I know. <laughs> I, you know what? We're okay. My kids, my ki- my family is falling falling apart. Really, kids, I mean, kids just are they just cry and scream about everything now. Oh, no. Everyone's feeling the effects. But we're we're near the end. We found some houses, and I think we'll have one soon, so that we can stop talking about it on the podcast. Uh, we did actually miss an episode this week, which is a shame. Kind of broke our streak of of not missing anything. That's but true. Did. It was Labor Day, though, right? It was Labor Day weekend. I had just gotten back from a weekend at a wedding in Vermont, and you were dealing with things and it just we needed we needed a break i think so after our episode where we talked about not using excuses there are three of them for you, <laughs> yeah. if you, if you like any of those we're, we're sorry we missed the episode but you know things were really busy exactly. <laughs> and we could list more we could just do a whole bunch of excuses and you could choose the one that you really like the most each listener could choose their own excuse that works best for them uh but the fact is we did miss it in fact i've also missed a, a blog pass blog post cycle uh, so I'm going to write a post, I think, soon about that, saying that I kind of failed in my, in my do one every two weeks until my marathon, but then the marathon itself isn't happening. So maybe once that kind of dissolved, then yeah. I was free from my commitment of having to blog <laughs> until then. Because what, am I going to blog until eternity, twice a week? <laughs> so is, is, are you announcing officially that you're not even going to run it? No, not yet. Okay. I'm not announcing that. Because we've still got the Runner's World thing. Uh, and that, that is my motivation to at least be in half marathon shape. A month before the race, which is only a month and a week from now, really. But I can get in half marathon shape by then. Yeah. Not not race really well, but finish a half marathon comfortably. Yeah. You know, so this, this is interesting. Well, I guess we should say that what we're talking about here is the Runners World Half and Festival. If anyone wants to attend, we have a coupon code. Actually, two, but only one for this podcast. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, so the site is rwhalf.com. That's like Runner's World Half Marathon is the idea there. Uh, they have other races too, 5K, 10K, and a trail race, all of it sponsored by Ultra, the running shoe company, which we'll mention today in our gear episode because that's one of my favorite types of running shoes. Uh, anyway, the code there is athlete. If you want to throw Doug a bone, you can use, what's yours, Doug? Blog Rocket Runner. Blog Rocket Runner. I, I highly encourage you not to use that one. <laughs> my, my discount is a little bigger. You know, but... <laughs> right. no, anyway, no, you will no, get no. discounts if you use either of those codes. Uh, they should be the same discount for either one of those codes. Um, and they'll work for the different different races too, different discounts depending on which race you do or which combination of race. They're big on like the, the hat trick is doing all three of the road races, the five and dime is if you do the five and the 10K. So you can do different combinations. And this year there's also the trail race, which should be fun. Yeah. And these weekends are always really fun, as we said last time. Uh, it's just it's just a really good running weekend. Every time I've gone, which has been twice now, to these sorts of events, I've come back really kind of re-energized about running, uh, which, as we said last, last episode, is something that we both kind of need right now. So it should be good. Yeah. You know, so last time we were there, we ran – well, I guess you just ran the five and dime. I ran all three races. Mm-hmm. Um, and we ran them with our friends Danny from – uh, weight off my shoulders. Weight off my shoulders. And Presley from runpretty.com, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think it's run pretty blog. Run pretty blog. Um, and it was totally casual, and we just ran and had a really good time. Do you think you'll do that again, or do you think you're going to try to go for a little, little racing? Mm, I don't know. I'm not going to be in any shape to PR, and if if I'm not, then for me, the racing itself is pointless. <laughs> I'm like, what's, what's the point? Why be that exhausted at the end if right. it's not going to be anything meaningful? We'll see. Maybe maybe one of the races I'll, I'll go as fast as I can. But I really enjoyed not racing, just kind of running to run. That was that was really fun. It was really fun. Yeah. So anyway, uh, our topic today is gear. We had a question actually that I saw this morning. Someone wanted to hear some gear suggestions, and just like that, we we're putting out an episode about it. Yeah, this is timely because I'm actually packing tomorrow. I'm running 50k, so this afternoon I'm going to have to get all my gear ready and geared up for uh, for the 50k. So this is a timely episode, and 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 it's a subject I like to talk about. So it's be fun. I would like to add, I've seen a little bit of criticism of the Nomad Athlete Radio podcast that says we don't prepare enough for our episodes. A couple different sources, I've seen this. Really? Yeah. So what, I'm, what I'd like to point out here is that our, our lack of preparation allows you, the listener, to influence the show that quickly. <laughs> you can send a question for an episode you'd like to hear, and because we don't have an episode idea yet, that might, you might hear it in five minutes from then. <laughs> we might say, hey, let's do that one, and then it's, then it's done. Yeah, so it's a it's, so a, that's a good it's actually a good thing. We're flexible. The... We're agile. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. You mean someone spoke poorly about no Well, it wasn't poorly, but it was just sort of comparing us to other podcasts and said that ours was the least pre- prepared. Still okay. on a list of good podcasts, so it wasn't okay. terrible. Well, but it was good. just it was just said that we were a little more laid back and less less uh, I, I prepared, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they meant we didn't know what we were doing. They just meant. Mm-hmm. We we it, we let it flow a little bit more. Okay, well, I kind of like that. I think some people like that as well. But I think it depends on the listener for yep. sure. Anyway, well, we are uber prepared. We have notes and we do have notes. categories and all kinds of things for this episode. So even though it was a last minute decision to do this topic, we have prepared. See, that's what makes us good. I think. I, yeah, we can, I agree. We can get decent preparation done in a few minutes. And we can talk about how prepared we are for right. fifteen exactly. minutes. So anyway, let's get to that. Okay, so the topic is gear. And just the different types of things that we use when we run. Uh, we're not going to go into food, things like that here. We've had other episodes about that. So let's just go through some of these categories, Doug. I think the, the most important, without a doubt, probably, which doesn't really make sense, without a doubt, probably, uh, <laughs> is shoes. Right? That's, that's your, the thing between you and the ground. It's the main equipment you have when you run. Right? I mean, you. I guess you can run without shoes on. People do. But... I don't know. It's hard for me to take that seriously as, as a form of running if you find it. I don't know. If you're trying to do real workouts and train for a marathon or longer, I just I just have trouble seeing barefoot as a viable thing to do. I mean, you can do it. It's it's, it's almost to me like its own little sport. Yeah. You know, people are are doing it. I mean, people are running ultra marathons in barefoots or, or those Luna sandals, you know, really minimalist shoes. Um, not for me. Not what I would recommend for most people. For sure. Yeah, um, that's why. So, you know, I think we can we can go ahead and, and say that, that that's not really what we're going to be focusing on today. <laughs> we're going to be talking about real about running shoes. running. Okay, so uh, the shoes that I've been wearing for the past, really, since we last went to the Runners World Happen Festival last year, are Ultras. A-L-T-R-A. We had Golden Harper, their founder, on the podcast shortly after that. And he was really interesting and gave us a lot of really good information and I just, I love their presentation at the festival. They are actually sponsoring it again this year, so that's another tie-in. Uh, 
And what, what I've loved about their shoes, I wrote a blog post about this about three months ago probably, so you can look for that. Uh, what I like is, is the two main features. One, all their shoes are zero drop, so you get that kind of minimal, not really minimal feel, but that, that one aspect of minimalism is, is there for all their shoes. But then they vary the level of cushioning. So you can still get a cushioned shoe that is zero drop if you don't want to do the fully minimal thing. Uh, but you can also get the shoes that are very minimal, have very little structure to them. And, uh, and I like that. And they also do the foot-shaped toe box, which is a really nice thing. Let your feet, your toes spread out in there. A much more natural style of running. Uh, if you're interested in these kind of things, listen to the, to the episode we did with Golden. It was a really good one. I don't know what it was. Probably episode 40-ish something. And We'll link to it in the show notes. It was called, I think it was like Why Running Shoe Design Matters or something. Anyway, that's that's my kind of go-to shoe these days. Uh, I also like Hoka's because I really did. I, I think they were one of the reasons that I finished my hundred miler a couple years ago. Uh, they're just just amazing how soft the shoe feels, and you know I don't I don't know that it's a great thing for everyday training, but Doug, you might differ there being sponsored by Hoka. <laughs> uh, yeah, I should definitely preface this that i have a sponsorship with hoka are you um, allowed to say another running shoe is good or is that that often yeah i mean I, I i should i'm sure they would encourage me to be honest and i i really do like ultras i think that they do a lot of things right in particular what i i like is that that wide toe box that foot shaped toe mm-hmm. box it really makes a big difference with giving um you know room for your feet room for your toes to spread out and a lot of other companies are not doing quite that foot shape thing but they're but they're doing um wider toe boxes than than what was standard not that many years ago yeah. and hoka is one of those people and and that's something i do um really like i i like hokas and i like them for my everyday shoe um i run them all the time but there's a couple in particular that i like and we'll talk about which ones uh which ultras you like but um my favorite right now are the speed goat uh hoka speed goats which are a really tough, durable, grippy trail shoe. So if you're looking for just a really good trail shoe that will handle any sort of mud and stuff that's thrown your way, the Speed Goats are definitely good there. Um, and then the Challenger ATRs are a much lighter, really sort of streamlined shoe. It feels like a road shoe, but it grips like a trail shoe. So those are kind of my two go-to shoes at the moment. Um, but I like the extra cushioning of I think that it works well for me and my stride both of those shoes have a four millimeter heel to toe drop so that's pretty small mm-hmm. uh, it's a lot smaller than than standard shoes and um, so it, it just feels really comfortable it rides well I have no trouble with uh, any sort of pain going up the leg or anything like that even when I'm bombing down a hill so I think that you know that form is a huge part of that but but shoes can make that a little easier on on the rocky terrain yeah uh, so the the models of the ultras that I have personally worn and used are I use the one squared for my kind of everyday shoe, very minimal running shoe. Uh, I don't know how much actual cushioning it is, but as I said, they are all zero drop, which of course means that the heel and toe are the same height. Uh, there's no no difference there between how high they are. Um, is the one squared Doug? Did they did they move on to the new version of that or something? I think I heard. I that think they time. did. I think they do have a new one cubed. Yeah. Maybe I'm not sure. Okay. So it's their it's called the one and it's uh-huh. I don't know whatever version is going to have another number behind it, uh, and then I've also worn their paradigm, which is their maximal shoe. So I have their minimal shoe and their maximal shoe, and this hey this goes along with what we said before about uh, 
not being in the middle, right? With with quitting the podcast, either <laughs> either double down our efforts on the podcast or quit it entirely. There you go. Uh, so I'm saying stay away from the middle ground running shoe. Either go minimal or maximal. <laughs> that's not actually advice. Just that's what I tend to do. Uh, but Alter does have a middle ground shoe, and I yes, know that, I'm not sure what it is for the road. But I know for the trail, it's the um, oh shoot, the Lone Peak, and uh, and a lot of people really enjoy that shoe. It's yeah, great. I remember hearing some neat design features of, of that shoe. Um, but the, the Paradigm is their maximal shoe. I have enjoyed it, and it's been good for me. I've done it for my longer runs. Uh, I actually kind of prefer the Hoka. In in if you're looking for really maximal cushioning, you can get more of it out of the Hoka. At least I've noticed that than the than the Paradigm. You don't feel the. It doesn't feel like you're walking on a cloud when you wear these Paradigms, like you kind of do with with Hokas. Uh, for some people, that could be a good thing. I mean, like I said, you don't. I don't. I don't personally want to be running, feeling like I'm running on a cloud for my everyday running. Uh, I'd rather have more kind of feedback from the ground than that. So I like the paradigms in that way. But if I were racing another ultra marathon, I would probably buy a pair of Hoka's. So anyway, that's shoes. Um, that, this is just what we do. We've talked before about recommending shoes for beginners and what what we would suggest. My my very best thing I could suggest is go to a running store and don't leave with any shoe that doesn't feel really comfortable to you and that you don't think feels great. Uh, if you do, if you, if it feels weird, then your running form, I think, is going to suffer. I think you're going to do strange things to try to compensate for the weird feeling. And uh, I just don't think it's a good thing. I think you should have a shoe that is really comfortable. Consider what, what Doug mentioned, the larger toe box and that the shoes are getting bigger. And consider even, like for a while, the advice was buy a running shoe. I, I've heard go up until, keep going up in size until it looks and feels like clown shoes. And it's ridiculous. And then go back half a size. And that's your running shoe size. Uh, yeah, I definitely think if you if you're running endurance events, so marathon and beyond, and you maybe even half marathon, then you want to go bigger than you think you do. I I know that I wear a size ten and a half on every other shoe except for my running shoes, and it's either eleven or eleven and a half depending on the shoe. Um, and and that's because I was wearing ten and a half, and I was having tons of toe issues. I was having black toenails all the time, and lots of blisters and all these things. And so you really do need to give yourself a little bit extra room up there. Yeah, and you can see that we're we're kind of mentioning the things that barefooting does for you, but with shoes on, basically, so, right? So if you get a you get let your toes spread out with a large toe box and a large shoe, that that accomplishes that part of barefoot running. Uh, and if you have zero drop or a very low drop from the heel to toe, so that you're basically landing on a flat surface rather than landing on some kind of wedge, like the before this whole minimalist movement happened. Uh, a lot of running shoes were this huge drop from the this built up heel down to a rather small toe. Um, so it, you know it, it simulates barefoot running while still letting you have that cushioning, and you can choose the amount you want depending on on where you are and what you like. And I think having that cushioning for me allows you to do more serious training than pure barefoot running does. It just you, you there are certain I think speeds that you really can't do barefoot. Like on a track, it's hard to go out at an all out sprint. I'm sure hardcore barefooters would would argue with this. But in my experience, that's kind of what it what it has felt like. Are there any other shoe companies that, that you like? Um, I mean, I've always liked Brooks shoes. Oh, I should mention by the way that Ultra shoes are all vegan except for their running shoes, which is another nice thing. Except for their walking shoes. Sorry, <laughs> except for their walking <laughs> shoes. Uh, yes, and let's see. Brooks I've always liked for a while. Brooks always said the same thing that all their non walking shoes were vegan friendly. I don't know for sure that that's still true, and I haven't worn Brooks in a while. I always liked the Brooks Pure Drip. That was a shoe that I wore for a long time and really enjoyed. Uh, very, very minimal shoe, that one. And I don't know. I mean, New Balance I like. 
I, I, I'm honestly not that picky. I, I, I get to try a lot of shoes, and almost always I'm, I'm pretty fine with it. You know, I'm, I'm not that concerned about it. Great. How about you? Oh, yeah, I forgot. You can't, you can't do that. <laughs> Hocus all the way, <laughs> my friend. Hocus all the way. Okay, so let's go to the next category, which is bottles, packs, things that would help you with nutrition, hydration, carrying things. So why don't you start us off there, Doug? Being the trail guy who needs needs more, you yeah, know, you need to be able to carry more things. You know, I I think that for the most part, people don't need to start with this. If you're just starting out running, uh, you don't you don't need to carry a bottle of water if you're going out for less than an hour, an hour and a half, right? Um, a lot of people tend to when they're running their first marathon tend to get those belts and all kinds of different water um, hydration systems. Uh, which is great if if that's what you want to do. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But oh, let me interrupt you for a second there, Doug. I think a new runner is going to feel like they need water after half an hour of running. Don't you think so? They might feel like they need it, but I'm, what I'm yeah, saying is that's what I mean. You, you feel like it, and I think I don't know if it's that your body just hasn't kind of been trained to go without it for a while. Because and certainly you do get to the point where you don't really need water in quite the same way. Uh, and, and, you know, I can run for two hours now without water and, and be okay, even on a kind of hot day. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I'm starting to really want it. But I feel like I could have never done that when I started out. So I don't know if it's actually a, a change that has happened or if it's just sort of a mental thing. You start to realize that you actually don't need water. But I think, you know, I would, I would encourage someone who's new, uh, I don't know, it, it's okay if you want to have a bottle. <laughs> I'm just, I don't want you to feel like you can't have a bottle until you're out there for more than an hour, hour and a half. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Absolutely. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Go ahead. Continue. Um, but for for people who do want a bottle or if you're out there for a longer run, uh, there's a couple good systems that, that I use. I use um, a handheld for the majority of my runs, um, and that is that is a bottle that has the strap that goes around your hand so it, it is more comfortable and it is easier to hold so you're not having to grip the bottle the whole time. And they have several different types of these handheld bottles and lots of different sizes and everything. I use the Amphipod um, hydro, Hydroform, Amphipod Hydroform. Amphipod is the brand and Hydroform is the type of bottle. And it has, what I like about it is that it has a, a sleeve that you can put on the bottle itself. So during the winter when the bottle, when the water is like really cold, you don't want to be holding this block mm. of ice. Mm-hmm. So I really like that. And the other good thing about handhelds is they often have a small pocket for you to put a little bit of nutrition or your car keys or, or whatever it is that you need to put in there. Yeah. Um, very so nice. Do you use a handheld? I do. Yeah. And it took me a while to get into this. I, I really, until I got into ultra running, had never done it. My hydration solution before that with marathon training had been the old uh, fuel belt, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. I think, I'm sure that brand would still exists. But the design was awful. I mean, it was just a, you wear those four bottles around your waist. Yeah. And it just would always hit your thighs and it would ride up your shirt if you didn't i mean if you tucked your shirt in it would kind of ride up to your waist after a few miles it was just awful but it did the job and it was okay uh nowadays though i do a handheld i got i was convinced to do that once i think i did my first 50 miler and uh my my big thing before this was like i thought it would be terrible i thought that that carrying a bottle would would annoy me so much having to hold that in my hand and that's another thing right i think it is maybe just one of those things that you kind of as you get more comfortable with running it becomes running itself becomes less a burden and, and you're able to actually, I don't know, have more mental energy to expend on other things. And I got to the point where like I could carry a bottle and be okay with it. Whereas in the beginning, had you had, had you given me a bottle I had to carry the entire time, I would have said this is, I just wouldn't be able to stop thinking about it. <laughs> but 
Uh, I did it for one one race, and then I realized it was totally fine, and I just kind of got past that. So I, I have only really owned... I had one from, from North Face. I don't even know what brand it was that I got at, at the North Face Endurance Challenge. The only serious one I've ever owned and bought was a is a Nathan Quick Draw bottle. And it does not have that, what sounds like a nice feature of the, the one you said, where you get the, the temperature, whatever it is, pad that would prevent your hand from feeling too cold. Um, but it has, has worked, met my needs well enough. But, yeah, I've had a Quick Draw before, and I used that for a long time. It's a nice bottle as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, we both like the handheld bottle. I think really for, for a run that's an hour long, if you do feel like you need one and you can you can deal with the idea of carrying a bottle, it's it's just a nice way to do it. it it's way simpler than like a hydration pack, mm-hmm. uh, of course. If, if you're going out for an hour, I would never recommend bringing a hydration pack. It's just, it's just so much to carry. It just You feel the weight on you, even though they're designed to right. uh, to kind of distribute that weight. Well, and, and they have now they have really small handheld bottles that, that only have maybe eight ounces of water yeah. or something like that, which are great for for shorter races and, and actually a little interesting tidbit uh about me that you might not know is that when i first started running trails i didn't have a handheld bottle but i wanted one so i took my that belt oh, that fuel no, belt no. do you know this no <laughs> i took one of those tiny little bottles from the fuel belt and used duct tape to make a handheld bottle and i actually really it's it was tiny you know and small but i actually kind of liked it because it was so small that i could easily like when it was running low i could just tuck it in the back of my shorts and didn't didn't even know that it was there and since it didn't have all that stuff that pockets and everything is just a piece of duct tape that <laughs> i could use as my grip thing it was perfect i like it and was that better than spending 15 20 dollars on a on a bottle you know it was at the time and <laughs> and honestly i would still use it sometimes <laughs> if i knew where it was that but... reminds me of a game i played in college and i would imagine people listening have played this as well where you tape two 40-ounce beer bottles to your hands. And Edward you 40 Hands? Yeah, I think we always called it... I think it was always called 40 Hands, and I didn't ever know why. Edward uh, 40 Hands? Like yeah, Edward I never heard the Edward part, but that okay. makes total sense. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, and you just get disgustingly drunk, and you can't do anything with your hands, <laughs> except for drink 40-ounce bottles of Miller High Life or whatever we put in there. Uh-huh. Fun times. <laughs> so you could do that running. You could channel that sort of energy uh, if you want to be like Doug. So what what about a hydration pack? Do you ever do you have one of those? I do have one. I bought one actually before I bought the handheld bottle, thinking that that would be my solution for ultra running, and found out very shortly that that I much preferred just having a handheld bottle. That it was way easier, and it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it would be. Uh, the hydration pack is okay. I think mine mine's the Nathan. I believe the model number is HPL zero two zero. I know that because I did a blog post about it a while ago. Uh, and, and they've, they've updated it since then and made it more minimal, I think, or made a minimal option of it, but it held like 80 ounces of fluid. And if you filled that 80 ounces up, you were, you were holding however many pounds 80 ounces is, right? Right. With water fluid, a pint a pound, the world around, you know, that conversion <laughs> trick. So how many 16 ounce pints are in 80 ounces? Uh, something like exactly five. <laughs> <laughs> so you're carrying around five extra pounds on your back before you even put anything else in the pack there. Uh, and that actually is what I now think is the better, for me, the better use of the hydration pack. And this is a trick I learned from Mike Arnstein, uh, and that is to use it for carrying your food. Like it's, it's still a really nice design pack because it distributes the weight easily. And while if you fill it up with five pounds, it feels pretty heavy on your back, it, it's also it's meant to put that weight in a different way. They say it should feel like a, like a nice, warm, gentle hug around your, around your back than, than a big weight on it. And it kind of does. It does a nice job of, I don't know, I guess it sort of pushes that weight into the small of your back rather than 
feeling it straight down on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And uh, it does a nice job of distributing it. So if you're just putting some food in there, which is likely not going to weigh five pounds, it doesn't really feel like that much. You put a couple sandwiches in there, maybe a banana or something like that, some dates. And this is exactly what I did during my 100. Uh, it worked out really well for that. It was It's you know more than spacious enough for what you need when you're carrying food for even a 100-mile run as long as you can do some restocking. So I really what I did for my 100 was that and then hold the hydration bottle in my hand, which I would fill up at eight stations for actual drinking. Uh, so I, I love that. It's a great tip. Uh, but, it, you know, it did work. It, it has a, has like a tube straw that you would bite, bite valve thing. And it works. Just I just kind of, that's something that kind of got in my head. Like I just didn't want to be carrying this fluid around on my back anymore mm-hmm. when I was at mile, you know, 15 or 20 of the long trail run. And also the sloshing around kind of sound that it makes, just not, it's amateur. Yeah. The other, the other problem with the bladder um, is that, in order to fill it up, you have to take the pack off. Which, if you're right. running races, if you know if you're going out for a twenty mile run and you're not going to stop at all, it's not a big deal. But if you're running races and filling up at aid stations, and that's just kind of an added hassle that you have to do every time you you pull up. Um, so I'm not a big fan of the of the bladders. A lot of people are. A lot of people use them, and and you know it is nice to have the straw right there on your shoulder. Yeah. But I'm a fan of the bottles. So the pack that I use is the Ultimate Direction, aka Race Vest. Mm-hmm. And it actually has pockets in the front for two bottles. And what I do is I'll put one bottle in and use a handheld on the other and then swap them out when one goes dry. Because mm-hmm. the two bottles up front never felt all that comfortable to me, but one bottle does and I can hold the other hmm. one in my hand. Okay. So so I like that. And then there's the big pocket in the back for any type of food or you know a jacket or whatever you need to put. In and you said ultimate direction? Ultimate direction. Okay. And then the, the, the actual pack is the AK Race Vest. That's the smallest of their signature series vests. They have some that are a little bit bigger. Scott Jerk has one that's a middle size, and then there's a one even bigger than that. Okay, good. So that's that's hydration. I also sometimes use a spy belt. SPI stands for small personal item, and it will hold a smartphone, which I do not have and don't, don't have the need for. Uh, but if I had to carry a deck of cards or something, I could, I could put that in there. Um, but it's, it's just good for carrying keys or whatever kind of little thing you need around your waist without being a huge fanny pack, uh, it's stretchy mm-hmm. and stays, stays narrow when it's, where it's not full. So it, it's a good, good little thing to have. Yeah. I, I should mention here that my very favorite piece of running gear, other than my Hoka's is, um, is a belt and it's called the ultimate direction Scott Jerk essentials belt. And it's just like, kind of like a spy belt, except that it has two pockets or I guess three pockets. It'll hold your phone. It'll hold a little bit of nutrition, and I wear that thing almost every single run, no matter how far I'm going, just to put my phone and my keys in there. Um, and I just love that thing. I've used that more than any other piece of running gear that I've ever owned. Hmm. That's good. Good little tidbit there. Okay, so anything else with storage of things? don't think so. No, that's about it. Uh, next up, and by the way, we've got three more of these categories. Next up is watch slash GPS slash gadgets technology. Uh, certainly... An option. I mean, you don't have to have any of this stuff. Even the stuff we've mentioned so far, you don't have to have. But eventually, you're going to have to find a hydration solution, uh, depending on you know when you get up to a, a certain distance. On which Doug and I would disagree what distance that is. <laughs> uh, but but stuff like gadgets is totally optional, really. I mean, it depends how much you care about timing yourself, how much data you want to have about your run, and how much you get into that. And uh, I've gone through phases where I get really into that, and I've gone through phases where I really like not having access to any of that and just going out and running 
uh, as much, you know, as similar to the way running used to be thousands of years ago and what, you know, just kind of capturing some of that. Uh, personally, I've not really settled on a, a good GPS watch. The last one I really owned was like 10 years ago, and I would I would not recommend that now because it is terrible. Uh, but I have been trying out some recently. There's a Timex one that I actually really like because it lets you send text messages and do things like that. So being a non-smartphone user, I've considered making that kind of my smartphone replacement that I could still... I don't think it can do Twitter. I haven't really tried it yet. I have it, and I'm looking forward to trying it. Uh, it was sent to me. I should should mention that. I didn't buy it. Um, but anyway, it's a, it's Timex. It's called Iron Man 1 GPS Plus. has GPS on it. Requires AT&T service, but you get a year of it when you buy the product itself. Uh, so it does a lot of neat things. It's very kind of a bulky watch, but not not horribly bulky. Uh, so that one I am looking forward to trying. And then the Polar A300 is one that I have worn for some of the, a good bit of the running I've done in the past six months. That is not a GPS watch, but you can get a GPS feature on it. Primarily, it's a heart rate monitor watch and step counter and all that stuff and uh it's i like that it's been very good and reliable a lot of heart monitors in the old days it was hard they just wouldn't you know they would always be losing the connection and wouldn't reliably track your heart rate this for the most part has been pretty good so polar a300 is one i can personally recommend another one that is that i that was sent to me i didn't didn't buy it full disclosure uh but i've enjoyed that and the only other gadget i've got is ipod nano <laughs> because as much as I know people like say this phone is better and easier, but that iPod Nano is so little. It's that square one. I think it was the last iPod Nano they made. I don't know if they... I heard that they discontinued the iPod. Have you heard that rumor? I don't know if that's true. I heard that phones had gotten to the point now where they were kind of saying, we don't need iPods anymore. Huh. Don't know if that's true. Rumor mill. But if it is, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> A few months later after I heard it on some other podcast. <laughs> Um, so anyway, I still like that. What's terrible about it is that you can't get new podcasts from the cloud. You need to go plug it into your plug computer, in. which is only a step better than how I used to listen to podcasts, which was burning them onto CDs uh, so and then throwing them away. Uh, not eco-friendly, probably. But anyway, I love the iPad Nano for that. It's so small, way smaller than any phone. You don't need a big arm strap to carry it or anything like that. And uh, it doesn't do Bluetooth. But I use that during races. I don't carry my phone, and I use it like a tiny little iPod shuffle. There you go. Or mini. Maybe it's a mini. Does it have a screen on it? It has a screen. I think that's mini. Okay. I think. Um, but it's, you know, it's old from back in the day when everyone had iPods. Anyway, my, my GPS recommendations are, I have two uh, that I like a lot. Um, the TomTom Tom Runner is my favorite, my go-to $100 price range um, watch, and it is slim and slick and basic but works well and gets the job done so that that's one that i recommend for anyone who's looking for something cheap uh or budget and then if you want to step it up a notch or a big notch probably three notches (laughs) uh the watch that i use most of the time is the garmin phoenix 3 which uh does everything under the sun this thing is absolutely incredible you can (laughs) you know, upload all kinds of routes and tag all these waypoints. And, you know, so, so you could upload a race route and it would have the, it would be able to tell you how far you are from each aid station. Um, if you had programmed that in beforehand and all those kinds of things, it's pretty neat. Um, but it's really expensive and, um, definitely bulkier and not, I would never wear it as a everyday watch. Um, 
This, so, the Timex one that I have not tried yet, but have, uh, I saw that it integrates with Strava and I think RunKeeper maybe. Is that standard on GPS watches? Like they're going yeah, to integrate with that. Everybody these days is doing that. Okay. Uh, you're kind of, at most most of these Garmin and TomTom and Polar and, you know. Polar? Is that what you just said? It's Polar. 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 <laughs> polar Bear. Okay, Polar. <laughs> it's not Spanish verb. <laughs> Whatever. Sun, Sunto, is that what uh, the other one is? I don't know um, that one. All those have their own software, their own like GPS software, you know, on the computer. But they all integrate now with with uh, Strava. And you know, if if you're not quite ready to buy a watch, but you want to start tracking your runs, and you have a smartphone and you carry your smartphone, there is a Strava app that uses your GPS on the phone, so it's not quite as accurate as a phone would be, and it drains your battery, but um, Wait, as, as accurate as a watch? As a, right, as a watch would be in it, and it drains your battery pretty significantly. But, uh, and it doesn't work if you don't have service. But if you're running in the round town and you have service, um, then that's a great way to do it. And then it automatically just uploads to your Strava, and you can track it there. Yeah. So if you bring, if you have, if you bring your big fancy watch out, do you bring your phone with that for safety? Um, lots of times I do for safety, and then for uh, podcasts. So yeah, this, if, this Timex solution is you can you can text if you get in trouble. There you go. That's a good. You know, that's to good. Get on the phone. I don't know if I I would imagine we're not too far away. And in fact, I think the Apple Smart Watch probably lets you talk into it. No, well, the Smart Watch uh, you you have to have your phone on you. The Apple Watch. It's not called the Smart Watch. Well, I think it's called the Apple Watch, <laughs> but but it doesn't do anything. It doesn't. You have it to have doesn't, phone. It okay. doesn't get signal. It just is a Bluetooth device. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sure we're not that far away from from being able to push a little button that alerts, you know, police or or your yeah. mom or whoever. <laughs> you know? We're probably not that far away from having it implanted in your head, where you don't even press a button; true. you just think it, and then it happens. But I do when I'm running trails. I almost always carry my phone. I think that's a good tip. A very good tip. Okay, good. So that's uh, that's techie stuff. Again, you don't need it, but uh, it's, a lot of people like to do it. And I think if you're kind of in a running slump. I've I've definitely experienced before the situation where I'm not feeling the running stuff happening, and then I get into the data and I start tracking things, and it kind of gets me back into running. So it's just kind of a different way of looking at it, not the meditative type of running. But if you're into that, track your progress, train for a big goal. It can be really fun to have all that. And the heart rate, heart rate monitor. If you're if you're into just experimenting with that, you know, we all we both have our up there our pluses and negatives about heart rate monitors but you know i think that it is kind of neat to play around with that and, and have fun with that so if you're in a slump or if you just kind of want to shake things up a bit yeah it definitely them. it's something to think about while you're running it's not mm-hmm. boring so if, if you're trying to stay within certain zones uh and aside from that you you do learn about your body you learn what these different zones feel like and you realize how easily you creep above the zone you want to be in if you're out for like an easy run that's supposed to be below a certain threshold mm-hmm. chances are if you've never track your heart rate in any way then you're probably over that threshold uh, for your easy run so it's it's very valuable for that kind of thing okay so injury recovery is our other category injury slash recovery yeah have just things that used for running i guess you could do it while you're running and one of mine is uh, also could be used for after running uh, and i guess could be done before running a little prehab yeah <laughs> so what do you got here doug i got i got five things here wow i have only two all right, a foam roller. Got it. A uh, a stick, the stick, mm-hmm. which is like foam roller, but 
just a stick that you rub on your muscles. Yep. A TheraBand. Don't know what that is. One of those stretchy plastic band things that you use for exercises oh, and drills. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So good for if you have injury and injury prevention. Um, a tennis ball or some sort of other mm. um, hard ball, massage ball. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, because Katie is a yoga teacher and she does uses balls in her classes sometimes, we have some really nice ones. I don't know what to call it, but they're harder than a tennis ball, so they really dig in there. Uh, they feel really good. And then my fifth one is compression socks or sleeves. Good. You got mine. My, my two that I have are compression socks and a foam roller. Uh, but the tennis ball is also something that I use from time to time. And I am fond of taping two tennis balls together, just wrapping them, put them side by side, wrap them with sports tape or something like that. And uh, it, it becomes a little, it doesn't roll like a tennis ball does away from you. So you can kind of hit different muscles at different angles. And you can also put it like right, if you just lay right on that contraption with the two tennis balls around your spine, uh, it is immensely painful but also feels good. Like if you try to do sit-ups on that set of tennis balls, it kills your back. But after you get used to it, so that tells me that it's not all that bad for you. And it's probably <laughs> good for you. <laughs> yeah, that, that uh, centralized pressure that you get from a ball versus um, the foam roller is really good at digging. I mean, I just yeah, dig into totally. my IT bands and it just feels so good. On the topic of foam rollers, uh, there's the traditional foam roller, which I've used forever, just the regular old whatever compressed condensed foam that very hard foam and you can get it in different hardnesses uh is that a word hardnesses dirt no, i don't know <laughs> i don't know um but there's also one called an enzo roller i think it's e-n-z-o and it has all these different discs on it that there are large discs and small discs and you can rearrange them so that if you want a certain pattern that will kind of you know if you're going to roll your quad on it uh, <clears throat> you can you can make it fit whatever contour you want and uh, that's another thing. And that, that is another good example of a thing like for the back thing. If you're not want to, you don't do the tennis ball rolling on your back, you could, you could put these discs, you could line them up so that there's a gap where your spine is. You could roll this thing on your back without having to roll your spine over something hard. And uh, that's just one example. But you can do it in a lot of places. And it's very, I like it a lot for that reason. Do you have one of those? I do. They sent me. I didn't buy it. That's cool. I've, I've seen those and, and never used them before. It's nice. My kids will just take it apart and throw it all out, so the discs are always missing. <laughs> um, the, the foam roller I use is called a trigger point performance foam roller, and it has these little bumps, so it's, it's not just compressed foam. It's, it has these little rivets, I guess you mm-hmm. call them, bumps that, that kind of dig in a little bit more. It's ribbed. Ribbed for, for, for your pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also just uh, grabbed those... Those balls that I use, they're called therapy balls, and they're uh, they're definitely harder than oh, a yeah. tennis ball. So they you are can, tennis and ball. and they they come they're like in, pinky balls, but really hard. They come in a little sack that you can use, like you do with your paved up tennis balls. Oh, there you go. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. So I duct tape tennis balls. You duct tape balls to your hands. Yeah. We each have our own ways of doing that, but you, there are better ways for each of them. Definitely. Uh, yeah. So I think like a tennis ball is not going to be the right pressure for everyone. I think it's a good place to start. Uh, you those pinky balls, you know those little pink balls you buy at a drugstore that our kids play with, hard rubber but not that hard. Like bouncy balls. They're like lacrosse balls but softer lacrosse balls. No, no, they're a kids toy. They're no called idea. pinky no balls. Idea. Uh, th- those are good. And then a lacrosse ball is harder than a tennis ball. So once you get used to the tennis ball, you could actually use a lacrosse ball uh, or these these yoga balls, which I'm guessing aren't that cheap. They're thirteen dollars. That oh yeah, for yoga. that pair, yeah. that's not so bad. Mm-hmm. I was thinking it'd be twenty five dollars. 
if you come to Black Mountain, North Carolina, head to Black Mountain, <laughs> exactly. you pick them up for $13. Well worth the trip. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you want to know more about foam rolling, and I think you have some tennis ball stuff in there too, we have a post on Nomi Athlete. Yes, that's right. Foam rolling for a holes. A holes. So we'll link to that in the show notes as well. That's a good place to get some some tips that's, on. That's supposed to be a for dummies kind of joke. It wasn't like there's been some confusion that, that it was for like foam rolling for that part of your body. <laughs> for your right, right, right. Oh, that's not it. It was just a dumb, it was a for dummies joke. Uh, but didn't think about that. <laughs> Uh, we mentioned compression socks, and that is something that I've had a lot of people ask me about because I think if you're a new runner, you see people doing it and you wonder if it is important, not unlike that KT tape, kinesio tape stuff, where you, you see people doing it, serious athletes, and you think, hey, I should probably have that. Um, the kinesio tape, I think, I don't really know that much about it. I've never used it myself. I've heard that it is entirely placebo effect and that there's not really been much science. At least Jason Fitzgerald is my only source of this information from strengthrunning.com, and he says that. He's not a fan of it. Uh, but that's a different topic. What I want to talk about is compression socks, which are those socks that go up to your knees that you see people running in, uh, or not just running in, but actually using for recovery. And I think I think the the jury is sort of out about the actual benefits. I've heard that because it kind of limits movement of muscles, like it'll, it'll limit the amount of sway that happens in your calves and mm-hmm. your muscles. And I think that that seems like a measurable impact on a long race, right? Because just slightly less extra movement and the the balance is that what you're talking about west way yeah side to side up and down right like the muscle just now naturally yeah. bouncing around. and i think right. if you can limit that it, it makes sense that that would improve yep. your performance mm-hmm. uh, i think there's also the the whole blood flow argument right these are, these have been really made for people with with leg issues i don't know what the actual issue is yeah. yeah uh for forever you could buy them in a drugstore or in a grocery store for a couple of bucks now they make them for runners and they're 30 bucks or 60 <laughs> bucks um but I don't know. My experience with them has has been always that I really do like running in them better. Uh, I don't know that it improves my performance, but I found this is when I was training really hard for qualify for Boston. I was doing lots and lots of hard, long runs at close to race pace, and I found that when I would do them wearing compression socks, my feet and lower legs would just feel so much more comfortable at the end of the race or at the end of the long run. Do you wear socks so the compression is on your feet as well or just the sleeve? I've tried both. I, I tend to use the, the full sock if I can, I, mainly because I've heard that the sleeve can kind of cause blood to pool in your foot, mm. and you know, which makes sense. If your foot's not compressed, everything else is, then maybe it would get stuck down there. Uh, but I don't know how much of that is true at all. But I've heard that said before. And uh, what I found, though, was that they just they made things more comfortable. So those last five miles of a 20-mile run, the, the feeling of my feet are killing me and I just really want to stop, like at least, at least that wasn't there. There's still plenty of other reasons to want to stop when you're running hard for 15 miles and you've got five to go. But it was like just one less bit of discomfort in my lower legs and feet, and that, that to me made it worth it. Even if that wasn't a measurable performance benefit, it just I feel like I did better because I didn't quite as much want to stop. So they were good for that. Um, undoubtedly to me, they feel good after a run. If you do a long run and then spend the afternoon with compression socks on, your feet up, eating pizza, just being lazy, feels good. Definitely feels good to have them on. Uh, and, and you can do compression shorts too. I've done that. But that's getting a little bit, little serious. You don't do the full body compression <laughs> don't, suit? Don't do that. I, I feel odd even putting the shorts and socks on. It feels like I'm just, yeah, like I'm an NFL player and I need to get in my chamber or whatever it is where you <laughs> um but I anyway I, I like them I, I would recommend trying them if if you have them before i don't like to get 
addicted to them, that was my concern. Is that I felt like if I did all my long runs in them, then I would start to feel like I needed to have them. And I just didn't want to need extra equipment. So I kind of always do long runs without them, but then now and then I'll do one with it. Cool. I, you know, I don't wear them when I run. I don't like the feeling that it, it, that I get when I'm running, but I do love them for a post run, especially after a long run when your legs are a little bit swollen and your feet are a little swollen. Mm -hmm. Um, it just feels so good and it gets that blood flowing and helps with that swelling. So I am a big fan of them post run, but you know, while I've only done it maybe two or three times, I'd never have gotten into them wearing them during the run. The biggest issue with wearing them during the run is that they start to itch. Mm. your legs and i don't know if that would happen with women like if you shave or men who shave their legs i don't know if that's the cause that there's hair on your legs or if it's just that having something compressing your skin for that long starts to feel weird but they do after like an hour or two you kind of want to take them off but they've always felt good for me so i've i've done it uh so anyway that that's something that is absolutely worth trying definitely not something that you should feel like you need to go buy but right. it's something that, I don't know, if you're, if you're doing long runs and you're feeling that feet and lower leg stuff is kind of hampering you or, or making you stop sooner than you might otherwise want to, uh, it might be worth a try. Cool. All right. So that's a good segue into our last category, which is clothing. And I guess compression socks could, could kind of go in there too. But for me, that's a little bit more about, about recovery and performance type stuff rather than just kind of general comfort although that's not even true because i just said that they, they may be more comfortable <laughs> uh but somehow it just seems different so clothing um i mean i i've never been particular about my running clothes at all if you if you're on a tight budget the thing to buy i think is running shorts i think that uh it just the amount of chafing and stuff that that goes on is is drastically reduced if you get a pair of running shorts versus like basketball shorts you mean yeah like wearing normal underwear of any kind whether it's boxer yeah. shorts or tidy whiteies or who knows i mean i think you you owe it to yourself to get a pair of running shorts no doubt work over the 20 bucks or whatever it is mm-hmm. uh get a get a used pair if you need to right you know my first few pairs when i first started running and training for my first marathon were from target i think they were ten dollars or something and, and they lasted me for a while they weren't the best but you know do yeah. it for sure over time they do they do start to degrade and how well they do that so like if i put on a pair of old running shorts after not running for a while and go run 10 miles i'm going to I'm going to be feeling some some burning down there, uh, and you don't notice until you get in the shower. You get in the shower after you run, and it is just the worst feeling in the world for me. Uh, I actually did not know about running shorts until I got to my first marathon expo. <laughs> that, that's how ill prepared I was. I did you, all the training you didn't know without they it. Existed? I didn't know you needed them or that they made a big difference. Huh. So I, I bought some at the expo. Uh, and, and the other thing I bought at the expo that turned out to be very good. And the other thing that I would say you absolutely should get is, uh, running socks, Mm. socks that are, doesn't have to be running socks, but performance socks that are mostly not cotton. They say cotton is rotten. That's the, that's the, uh, lingo. You're all into the lingo. (laughs) I I have a lot of lingos. Yeah. Uh, anyway, if you get foot blisters, get a good pair of socks. They're not cheap. Most running socks that i buy or get are are 12 to 15 dollars for a pair of them and you don't need all that many pairs i mean three four pairs do some wash once a week you'll be all right do you have some brands that you like i like balega b-a-l-e-g-a probably only because they've been around a while and that's what i started out wearing i've noticed about balega that more and more of their socks are not vegan anymore they have uh merino wool yeah Mm -hmm. i think it's merino uh but i think it's a goat wool or sheep wool or something and you, know, you got to be careful with that. But I've always liked them for other reasons. And there, I mean, there are plenty of other socks. That's kind of the one that I tend to, to 
stick with. How about you? I'm a Drymax fan. Okay. Because they have some really thick ones that I actually like, even during the summer. Mm. Um, that they're not that hot. They moik or wick away moisture pretty well, but mm-hmm. but they're nice and thick, and I don't know for some reason they're comfortable. Uh, and then in Jinji, which just makes the toe socks. Yep. I've been wearing those for a lot of races. And for those who don't know, that means the toes are all separated. So each toe is in its own little pocket mm-hmm. and could prevent a lot of blisters, right? Because a lot of blisters happen between toes. Right. And uh, that theoretically would prevent that because you don't have skin rubbing against skin. Yep. So so those are two my two sock brands. And then short brands, I actually really love the REI branded stuff. Oh, yeah? Uh, all their running clothes. For some reason, they just work really well for me. And they're, mm-hmm. they're much cheaper than buying like Nike or Patagonia okay. or something like that. That's a good like tip. That, so. Yeah, I've never been particular about the brand of shorts. I mean, it's of course, it's got to feel good. And for me, having a lot of pockets just seems to be a nice thing for races. I don't know. I mean, if it's if it's a marathon and you're not going to be bringing a pack with you, mm-hmm. but you do want to have, say, three certain gels or some dates and some electrolytes or who knows what you're going to be bringing, uh, it's nice to have some pocket room so you don't have to bring an extra pouch if you want to kind of minimize what the amount of stuff you, you have on you. So pockets are important. Um the only other thing, I, this might have gone in a different category, but I've always liked the lube type stuff that you can get. And that's always helped me a lot. So if before like a race or if I haven't been running a lot, but I've got to do a long run, um, even if I do have new running shorts, it's always good to put a little bit of the lube down there uh, or or elsewhere too, nipples, armpits, any, anywhere where, where you could potentially have chafing issues. And you will discover what these areas are once you start running without the stuff and you'll, you'll figure out where you might want it. Uh, there are lots of brands of it. I don't know which ones are vegan. The only one I've ever really used is, I think it's called Blister Shield, or maybe it's Sport Shield. Uh, I should have looked this up beforehand. I thought I knew what it was, but now I'm realizing there are those those two different names. It was made by Two Toms is the name of the company. Not Toms that makes the deodorant and all that. Just Two Toms. I think it's called Sport Shield. Blister Shield. Is it? Okay. Because there's, there's also Blister Shield foot powder, and that's another thing that they make. And that's another, if you're having foot blister issues, you can get this powder, and you put the powder into your socks, and it just kind of absorb, absorbs a lot of moisture and can help you out there. So there are things to experiment with. I would verify that they are vegan or whatever brand you're choosing is vegan-friendly. I don't know why, but that's, that sort of product seems to me like the type of thing that would have some weird animal product in it. But I believe that I remember confirming a long time ago that the Two Toms Blister Shield, which was like a roll-on, I think there are also other forms of it as well, that that was totally vegan product. Yeah, Lube is hands down the probably the aside from shoes the most important piece of gear out there it is uh it can really make or break a run especially a longer run um yes i think it's just super important i use rocket pure's anti-chafe balm i've heard of that i have no idea if it's vegan vegan i should probably have looked that up before actually it was sent to me so yeah, yeah. so yeah i mean it it's I wouldn't say as a new runner you need to go out and buy lube and just cover yourself in it before every run, but you will, you'll pretty soon discover what the problem areas are, and then you can decide if you need to use that. Uh, I've always liked to just have it. Like it's something I put in my running bags. So if I'm going to a race or something and my wife's going to be there crewing, I make sure she has that so that we can always, if there's a problem, you can always use that. And it really does solve pretty much any chafing issue you have if you go and apply a bunch of that stuff. Uh, I've seen some that are like much thicker, like where it's almost like you're applying Vaseline, I've seen some that are sticks that are kind of like deodorant sticks where there's a solid that's rubbing off on you, and some are the roll-on. So th- those are all good. Um, any of them might meet your needs. And the final point that I want to bring up here 
is don't forget the humble cotton t-shirt for running. I know I said cotton is rotten, but as we've discussed on the podcast before, and I've heard this one from Mike Arnstein, I'll, I'll tell you where to find some of his talks. I think have some good stuff. Uh, I really think the best thing you can do is run without a shirt on, aside from sun protection issues. But like, uh, you're, you know, your, your body's meant to sweat so that you to cool itself. That that's how it works. And when you're running in the heat, uh, if you can run with no shirt on, you have dramatically increased the amount of surface area that you have that will help to cool you. And the point of sweating, of course, is that that the the air hits it, the moving air, and evaporates, and then a cooling effect happens. So if you're wearing a shirt that wicks the moisture away from your skin, might help prevent blisters and chafing type stuff, but it also makes you not quite able to cool yourself as well. At least that's how the theory goes. Uh, so if you have a instead a saturated t-shirt, just good old cotton t-shirt, old favorite, and it's soaking wet and you get to the point where you're that sweaty and it's actually sticking to your skin, then it's not that much different from running without a shirt on because you've got this this moisture right against your skin. And, uh, you know, I don't really know for sure that I, I can't say I've ever side-by-side tested and felt like one was definitely better than the other. But it's an interesting theory to me and one that could save a lot of people from having to buy running shirts. So don't uh, don't forget that idea. And I mentioned Arnstein. He has two – I've mentioned these before on the podcast as well. But he has two YouTube talks, actually three now, uh, about ultra running. And if you just – we can put some links. But if you, if you go to YouTube and type in Michael Arnstein – also running, you'll find them. And I think the second of the talks was all about equipment. The first one was about lots of just general ultra running principles, and he has a lot of good ones. Uh, and you get a good sense for his attitude that he uh, he definitely I don't know he he likes to talk the talk, which is which is kind of cool. I like that about him <laughs> um, because he backs it up. He's he's good, and he, he he very much about his diet as well. He talks about just how this is the perfect diet for health and sports and everything else, and then he he does go and back it up. So. And his, his diet, of course, is the fruitarian one, which is all raw fruits and vegetables. So he's an interesting guy, and I'm trying to get him on the podcast soon. But anyway, his second ultra-running talk is all about the equipment he uses. Some of it is, like, really far out there, like those uh, e-stim devices, like electronic stim. Oh, yeah. Remember uh-huh. those old TV ab commercials where you yeah, put this belt around you and it would just... chips in front of the TV <laughs> yeah. and you get six-pack. And you get six-pack. Well, I think he uses that sort of device, probably not the as-seen-on-TV one, maybe, maybe a more medical-grade one. Uh, that he would put on his quads. So when he'd be sitting there working all day, he would be just hammering his quads like as if he was doing hill workouts. <laughs> and I think it does something. Like he said, it's tiring. It's not like it's just easy to sit there and relax. He said, it's hard. He said, but if, you, if you're serious about winning, then that's, that's what you got to do. So he did. And I think another reason he did that was he trained. He was in New York for a while, New York City, and wanted to be doing hill workouts and training and stuff and maybe was concerned about quads. So anyway, he, he has some, some interesting ideas like that one. Uh, but it's a good talk. It just gives you a good sense for what the kind of stuff he comes up with and tries. But that's where I've learned a bunch of tips, like the hydration pack thing. And we're, I think that's where he told me, or I kind of started to think about the not wearing a shirt idea, uh, if, you can, if you can stomach that. Yeah. I'd just quickly like to add before we wrap up, um, since we're going into winter and it's about to get cold, that a lot of people really struggle with running in the cold. They're... It's, you know, it's really uncomfortable when you first walk out there and your body temperature changes so quickly. So what you would, the layers you think you need, oftentimes you get sweaty and then you overheat and it's just mm-hmm. a problem. Um, you know, I think that when people deal with the cold, it's really about per, you know, figuring out what type of clothing you need and, and having that clothing available to you. So I, you know, I recommend investing in a pair of tights, even if you're a guy. 
I think that they're really helpful. Uh, a really thin hat and really thin gloves and then some other long sleeve thin layers that you can add on. I think those may go a long way in making your winter runs more comfortable. And, you know, if you're more comfortable, then you're going to get out there more and right. continue running. So investing in that winter running clothing is, is definitely worth it. Even though opinion. we're still in the summer. You do realize that, right? Well, we're not. No, summer is officially over after Labor Day weekend. I don't know if that's official. Maybe unofficially. No. <laughs> I think it's September 21st or something. Okay. Well, then unofficially, so anyway, summer is six over. Six months from now when it's well, cold we're, out. We're getting there. It's no, getting, we are. It's we are getting there. Down. It's a good tip. People always want to know cold weather tips, so we will probably do a cold weather episode. And I will uh, concede that there is no worse feeling in the entire world than being 20 minutes into your run and realizing that you completely overdressed for <laughs> Because it was freezing cold out, and you put on all this warm stuff, and now you're three miles away from your house, and you are just blazing hot. I mean, that is, I hate that feeling. Terrible. Mm-hmm. So, good good tips, good equipment. We, we should do a good winter running episode when, when the timing is right. With, and I don't think we've done one before, but maybe one with specific equipment suggestions and things like that. So, stay tuned for when it actually is officially winter. Yeah, set your watches, and... Uh, yeah, when it gets near Christmas time, listen in, and we'll have some winter stuff for you. Right on. Well, I think that that's all the categories we had. That is it. Uh, I think this has gone long enough, so we will wrap it up very quickly here. Don't forget, check out rwhalf.com. Consider joining me and Doug at the Runners World Half and Festival. We'll be around all weekend doing a bunch of races, and if you use the code blog no meet athlete, you will save some money on your registration for 5K, 10K, half marathon and maybe even the trail race. I don't know if the if you get a discount on that or not. But not you sure. might. Okay. So anyway, uh, think about joining us there. And I think I think we'll be I think pretty soon I'm going to have a house and we're going to be back in the yeah. room joining. Next us next time we record, Matt, I do not want to hear about your house because I want you to have already moved in and settled into a house yeah. or at least signed some sort of new contract lease. I think I'm going to be. Yeah, I, I don't I don't really want to keep talking about our house on the podcast. It's probably not the most interesting topic. At least you're not uh, giving out your address. No, I'm not. But anyway, soon we'll be back. I think our chemistry, our chemistry suffered a little bit, Doug. I think we, I think we can uh, need to rebuild. <laughs> you don't like talking to me anymore? Is that... No, I, I think we don't have the same, uh, same give and take as we usually do. No, it's true. It's true, and I think that's part in part because most of our episodes have been on Skype. So we're For the not. Past, yeah. You know, I really I mean, this summer I've only seen you probably four or five times versus every week. I haven't slept in my own bed in ten weeks now. So wow. I'm coming on three months. So and and actually we'll never sleep in that bed again. Because <laughs> I got a new bed. Just it just arrived. Well cool. Well good. I'm glad you have a new bed and that's uh that's exciting. I do have a new bed and I will tell you more about it later because it's a uh, it's it's for performance. Built for for, for, for performance. Well wow. sleep performance. Oh okay. Excellent. <laughs> okay, wrap it up. Uh, thanks for listening everyone. Hope you enjoyed our in depth gear episode. Keep the suggestions coming. If you have an episode you want to hear, send an email. Let us know. You may hear it the next day, like this person did, whose name I forgot. Yeah. And uh, and good luck to me on my race tomorrow. You're, you're thinking that, right? Of course. Good luck to you in your race tomorrow. Right? <laughs> 50K race. Uh, yeah. I am thinking about that. <laughs> okay. All, All right. right. Take See care, everyone. Bye.